He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. Dynamis Media. I'm joined with Stefan. Hello there. And you're tuning into the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror-themed um, podcast that we're going to kind of dive into some old uh, classic horror. I, I don't know. Are the 80s classic? Can you consider the 80s classic? I feel like once you're a couple decades out, it's just classic at that point. But I would say okay. maybe a yeah. cult classic would be a better way to put it. No one's going to be there putting these in like, the Library of Congress or anything. Yeah. Hey, you never know. <laughs> I, I could still run. I, there's still time, guys. So uh, vote for me. And yeah. So uh, let's do a little housekeeping. Um, so we kind of introed the show. This is our new um, our new venture that we're kind of getting into. Both Stefan and myself have been friends for a very long time. Uh, best man at my wedding. Uh, we live together. And we were kind of just talking like, hey, uh, we kind of want to do a podcast. I know you're doing some other stuff on the Dynamis Media channel. Um, and we both used to love watching these movies. Um, and we thought how cool would it be just to kind of dip back into the, uh, what you, you, uh, lovingly coined the schlocky movie, um, network of, uh, Tubi, which now I've, um, obsessed with, I didn't even know that was a thing. So thank you. Tubi is life basically. And, and for anyone that's like, Hey, what is dynamics media? Like, what is this? We have a couple other shows. We do a, um, gaming podcast called the tilt that myself and another um, co-host, Nick, we kind of go through what's making us mad. Um, it's more gaming-focused, but sometimes we kind of venture off the beaten path. And then we have another show called Backlogged, uh, and that show is hosted by Nick and Dylan, and that's kind of focused on like different topics, so it's more nerd-centric. They do a lot of gaming uh, content, but um, you, know, you get anything from like anime, board games, card games, you name it. Um, and then if you even tweet at them, they'll do a show. If you request a topic, they'll, they'll do it. Um, and then finally we have a YouTube channel where we just do like three to five minute game reviews, something quick and fun. And honestly, the, the YouTube's kind of like a repository for our, all of our buffoonery. We're going to put some other stuff on there eventually. Um, we talked about doing like events with all of the group. So like every show or channel we're partnered with maybe getting together and doing some kind of crazy stuff and uh, stream it or record it and put it there. So um, I guess like Stefan uh, kind of put you on a spot here. Um, you know, maybe give like a, you know, high, high level view, like uh, your, your background into the whole uh, horror cult, horror classic film industry. Oh, like why I'm interested in it. Yeah. Well, you see uh, something that kids nowadays won't understand is there was a time where something called a video store you would go there to rent VHSs, and you would decide what VHS you wanted to rent based on the VHSs box. And uh, basically, when I was a little kid, I would go to my local VHS like rental store, see these awesome movies that I wasn't old enough to rent. So, like once I turned seventeen, and I was in high school, and I still had a VCR. DVDs did exist, but still had a VCR. Uh, put a footnote here: VCR being what plays VHS cassettes. And, and so 
uh, I just went through and like all of these movies that I wanted to see based off of the VHS cover, just grab them all up. And uh, as a result, uh, got a lot of fondness for like these uh, to the general public crappy maybe movies, uh, maybe one note uh, kind of performances or whatever. But uh, I love them. I have a great, great deal of affection for them. So I'll probably fawn over pretty much any movie we talk about. Yeah, and I think personally speaking, um, I, I had a very similar experience uh, growing up with not a lot of money. Uh, we were a VHS household for a very long time, but um, my parents would take me to the video store. We had a local one. Uh, you could do 10 movies for 10 nights for $10. So basically a dollar a movie for like 10 nights, which was like a steal, right? Truly a golden and, age. Oh, I know. And uh, my mom was friends with the lady. So she would, um, she liked horror movies. So she would always kind of, I'd, I'd pick like, you know, your typical, I think I was like five or six. So I probably shouldn't be watching some of these, but <laughs> uh, you know, the Van Dams, the Schwarzeneggers, the Stallones, all the action movies. And then she would always like sneak in one or two horror movies. Like, Hey, check this out. Um, so, and I, I have a, uh, a great affinity for the sound of putting the cassette into the VCR um, so anyone <laughs> under the age of 20 that's already stopped listening, uh, it's a very cool, like very cathartic sound of pushing the the tape into the actual player. And then you had to rewind stuff, guys. So uh, Also you know. a good sound, but also a, a test to the patience too, because my God, it took so long. Yeah. But you don't want to not rewind. That'd be unkind. Yeah, right. Uh, speaking of movies, have you ever seen that most stuff? And uh, Jack, was it Jack Black? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, Where they, yeah, they have a video store and they like yeah. create a bunch of movies. So, like, you know, vinyls getting the comeback. Do you do you think like VHS is ever going to make that leap? Literally think thinking gonna... that same thing. Like, I would love, okay. I would love to like have a VCR in my house and a bunch of VHSs and just like, oh, would you guys like to uh, consume media in a hipstery way and have it be VHSs? That'd be perfect. So, like, every time that I think of that, I, I think of the book of Eli. When he goes to that the cannibal's house and they play Ring My Bell on that CD. <laughs> and like I like you know what I mean? Like the nostalgia, like it's like the eighty year old lady and it's playing Ring My Bell. And, and it's like uh like dust, you know, licks her fingers and dusts everything off and puts in a, a CD. Hey <laughs> I'm surprised that thing still played and didn't skip. So You know what? Yeah, like they must have taken That's the real hero <laughs> of that movie. Taking really good care of that in that dusty world. Although, yeah, so I think about that. So, like, imagine me in, like, a post-apocalyptic wasteland, you know, living in some house. You know, probably shaking because all the people I have to eat because I had to turn to camera. Yeah, you got some femurs in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, if someone shows up at my house, it's like, ah, oh, allow me to put in uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park on VHS. <laughs> Watch this raptor attack scene. It's going to be great. Well, you know, one movie you could play is the movie we're about to talk about. So why don't you intro the movie? transition you're so good at this um thanks so, yeah, yeah i try <laughs> so uh this is the stuff a uh, 1985 film that was directed by larry cohen uh larry cohen being um kind of a uh renowned director in the exploitation kind of shocky horror world um kind of just to go into his credits a little bit uh he had he had directed you know uh some black exploitation films earlier uh, Black Caesar, 
uh, and then its sequel, Hell Up in Harlem. Um, a bunch of horror movies, the It's Alive series, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's Alive, It Lives Again, and then It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. All classics in their own right. Um, one, of, one of his movies, actually, that I really like unabashedly love, and I would love it if we could do it on this podcast at some point. It's a lot to try to promise that one episode in. Uh, but it's called uh, Cue the Winged Serpent. <laughs> Let me tell you, it features a winged serpent. So, titles. Like Q, like Q-U, like Q is in like, hey, Q in the... Y- yeah, like the letter. Q okay. and then, yeah, yeah. and then uh, okay. colon, the winged serpent. In some circles, they just refer to it as Q, but I prefer to call it Q gotcha. the winged serpent so that like, there's no doubt what Q I'm talking about. Like, I'm not talking about gotcha. Star Trek, not talking about QAnon, I'm talking about the winged serpent that lives in the Chrysler building. You know, not John alert. Q. Not John Q, no. Although, good movie. Um, so he seems like a pretty busy guy. Like, And I um, I can't believe you had all that time to write all those songs, too. Like, Hallelujah. Wait, that's not the same guy. <laughs> no, that's Leonard not. Cohen. Uh, yeah, it's Leonard Cohen. That's a different oh, yeah, Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, sorry. <laughs> you really threw me off there. I was like, I don't, I didn't. That didn't yeah. come up during my research and anticipation of this yeah. episode. Like, that's a huge <laughs> oversight, Wikipedia. All, and he uh, he also, like, uh, wrote a lot of his movies. So, like, he wrote Q. He wrote this. Uh, he also uh, wrote um, all three of the Maniac Cop movies, if you're familiar with Maniac Cop. Oh, yeah. yeah he wrote uh, Uncle Sam, another one of those video store classics. Uh, it's about a – it's, like, one of those, like, holiday-themed slasher movies where, like, the, the subject of the holiday is evil and tries to kill you. Uh, a more recent credit, one that might make more sense to like listeners would probably be uh, Phone Booth, uh, the Colin Farrell movie. Oh, that was Yeah, good. he's in a phone booth. Yeah, that was really Aptly good. named, some might say. But yeah, he, he, he wrote that one. That was one of his uh, latter credits. I think his last credit was an episode of Masters of Horror which was a series that they ran on, um, what was it? It was one of the premium channels. Uh, but he actually wrote and directed a segment on that. And I think that was his last work before his uh, unfortunate passing in uh, 2019. Yeah, and I, I really love his titles. And like, and if you watch, so like you can kind of understand him when you watch these movies because he's very, some, I don't want to say literal, but like, like the titles, like kind of say, like he's very on the nose, right? It, like, phone booth, like, well, guess what? Guess what that's about? Yeah. Which is cool Maybe though, because you kind of, right? You kind of set expectations for yourself based off of the words that are being used, and then he kind of subverts that a little bit sometimes with, um, with what's actually happening in the movie. It's really cool. Yeah, a lot of his work have a uh, kind of like, uh, like a social satire bent to them too. You'll notice that a lot including in this one but uh yeah it's it's really interesting the the his body of work uh considering that kind of showing my hand on the wikipedia research i did prior to this uh but he was as like a a young man he was obsessed with noir and i wouldn't say like there are noir elements to some of his work but i wouldn't say that you could categorize anything that he did as noir so it's interesting that was like a, a foundational influence for him but it wasn't really something that he carried into his genre work so Specifically getting into the movie, the stuff, um, man, there are some huge actors in this movie. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I was shocked. Like, and Because um, I, I had never seen this before. I, I had seen it on shelves, and I, I had seen clips from it, but I've never actually sat down and watched this. I was shocked by how many, I, like, 
famous like i like i mean i consider them fam- famous people that are in this movie it was pretty interesting a lot of recognizable um, faces for sure yes yes so who's your favorite character because i i have one Ooh, that's a tough one uh i'd probably have to go with uh michael moriarty's character uh mo rutherford or i guess his name's david rutherford but... yeah david mo mo money yeah whenever they give me money i always want mo that is a story yeah. he tells multiple times in that movie so like I I don't know a lot about Michael Moriarty like I know who he is but I'm not like a, I I don't like follow him like uh, like so like could you what what else has he kind of like been part of? He actually uh, has worked with um he's worked with Larry Cohen a number of times. They did uh, let me see I think that it was he was in It's Alive three Island of the Alive so draw that down. He also was in a, a Return to Salem's Lot which is something else that uh, Larry Cohen had directed. I didn't mention it when I was running through it. Uh, he was in uh, that's a big one yeah i mean get back there vampires uh he was in q the winged serpent which i don't know if i mentioned it q the winged serpent is about q in a <laughs> winged serpent in new york yeah so like, michael moriarty's in that he works uh i think that he actually also worked with larry cohen on that episode of masters of horror that final episode that was the last work that larry cohen did so they actually have worked together quite a bit I'd say that probably the work that Michael Moriarty is most famous for is his stint on Law and Order as ADA Ben Stone. Uh, he did that for a number of seasons. So I know him from Courage Under Fire, the Denzel Washington movie, and Pale Rider, the Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. So he he was in both of those, which is crazy. You know, um, especially in the 80s, a lot of these actors were really dipping into different um, different genres, different uh, different roles. Like now, I feel like a lot of people get typecasted. Now that definitely did happen back then, but um, I think it's interesting when you see some of these people get kind of cast into different um, different genres because, especially horror and like this type of horror, it, it usually specifically has like a certain type of people that are cast, right? So I, I think it was really interesting to see some of like like Paul uh, Sorvino, right? Holy crap! Like, <laughs> I I didn't know he was even in the movie until like I, obviously we'll get into it, but um. You know, I, I was shocked. Uh, Garrett Morris, obviously. Yeah, talk about a prolific actor, Garrett Morris. Yeah, who so was my nice. favorite character, Chocolate Charlie? Yeah, like, Chocolate Chip Charlie. Yeah, my yeah. man, that was yeah, Chocolate Chip Charlie. <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, amazing in this movie. That was incredible. Like I'd only known him from like a handful of because uh, he's basically in like every show is like a bit role in one episode or another. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, this is the guy from uh, that one episode of Psych where he played like a butler and they were doing like a riff on like an Agatha Christie thing. Yeah. When we were younger, like um, like we didn't have like the Internet. Well, I, I mean, maybe we did, but not till we were a little older. But like, you know, this was like our stuff, like watching these movies um, uh, and, you know, even playing like old video games and stuff. So I feel like now with how IMDb kind of exists and there's so many different people and like um, extras you know, maybe we won't know this stuff for another 10 or 20 years, like who's going to be in everything and we'll, we'll recognize them. Cause I'm starting to see people now in shows that I recognize from like the two thousands, but I think it's, you know, people from like the late eighties to early nineties, it's like ingrained in my brain. I see them on the show and I'm like, Oh my God. And then I go down the rabbit hole, like the, what's the six degrees of separation or whatever. Um, and you know, that's, uh, that's like one of my favorite things. Um, is that when you see someone like that, like, and you have a cool reference, like the psych thing, that's so cool. 
Yeah, um, well, it's, it's it's the kind of the thing too with a lot of these uh, TV shows that were like long running, like Law and Order. Like, pick an actor; they've probably been in an episode of Law and Order, you know, at some point. I feel like the equivalent right. to that now will be something like the Marvel Universe. Like, everyone's going to be somebody in the Marvel Universe. I'm still waiting for my call, you know. So why don't we get into the uh, into the plot a little bit? Could you could you run us through like what what this movie is actually about? I mean, so like, I guess we have to figure like, do we want to spoilers? I mean, this has been out for a long time. So like, I feel like you should probably, <laughs> I feel like if you haven't watched the stuff yet, like, sorry, we're going to spoil it for you. <laughs> yeah. Go catch it on Tubi. It's there. I think it might also be on Amazon prime. Cause I feel like the last time I watched it before this, like in anticipation of this recording, I think that the last time I watched it was on Amazon prime and they get the rights to some crazy, like some crazy like movies and shows that, like so that's a good thing like if you're looking for an old movie that you're like have like a fever dream like oh i want to watch this again check tubi but also check amazon prime because it's crazy what they have like in their category that's free if you have a prime account i feel like yeah some of these like channels must like double dip or like distributors are just like hey you want the rights to like run this and they just like shop it around because there was a time actually i think the first time that i watched the stuff which I didn't mention earlier. The first time I watched the stuff was when I was in grad school in like 2012 and I watched it on Netflix. So can you imagine that? Netflix actually had good stuff at one point. Yeah. I remember when Netflix would mail you uh, <laughs> media. Oh, that's a, that's a hot thing. Are they just stopping that now? That's like big news. Well, uh, the CEO of Netflix sent that tweet out kind of bashing, uh, bashing Blockbuster like two weeks ago about how like, he, it's like how much they're worth now and, and he, they were trying to sell to blockbuster and they got laughed out of the conference room and then uh netflix had all those issues i don't know if you're up on what happened with netflix but so they were um they have that new show love is blind that everyone's obsessed with it's like the trashier version of the bachelor <laughs> and they did a live event and they they spent all this money on advertising and it was supposed to be like this huge thing well i don't know if like when everyone logged in it crashed their servers but they weren't able to get anything up and running for like an hour an hour and a half so obviously hulu took a crack at them but um blockbuster fired back like hard it's like you know what you know what doesn't uh crash on your server it's like hard media or something like that so blockbuster like definitely throwing the screws in which is crazy because there's only like two stores left but um i I like i like the uh i like the fire back from blockbuster it's pretty cool i was like who's running like blockbuster social media and like talk about an easy job i feel like that's it's more of an ironic thing now right that like blockbuster i think there's one in iowa and i think there's one other one so like almost like if you own a blockbuster now it's a tourist attraction at that point it's not really like a movie store yeah it's like hey come see this uh, this artifact of a bygone era and then I always wondered like if people not returning movies and not paying their late fees caused them to go out of business I don't know. I always think about that. Uh, I mean, towards the end there, though, like when VHSs first came out, they were like expensive. It was like right. hundreds of dollars for like one VHS tape. But by the end there, you know, you could just go to I don't know, Suncoast Video and buy one for like 10 bucks. So I can't imagine they'd go out of business just losing a tape here or there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they'd start calling their people like, please give us our tape back. We just need this tape. <laughs> we need this tape. And plus, by the end of their life, weren't they mostly probably renting DVDs? Hey, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Blockbuster's business model. All right, some kind of Blockbuster employee? I don't know, maybe you are. But all right, so let's talk about the plot here. So I I'll take a I'll take a stab at it. Like, so you help me out. Help me fill in the fill in the gaps here. So um the movie kind of starts off where they're in 
what seems to be like some mountain town outside of Georgia, right? With with what seems to be snow, which is pretty crazy. I don't think it snows in Georgia, but hey. Um, or or it was just like like limestone. I couldn't really figure out what was going on there. It looked like snow. But, um, I really do feel like it was snow. That was. Uh... I do too. And they were like, because the guy was cold, right? That was like the whole thing. And it was like warm and you could see it. That was like the whole shtick, right? Yeah, I just chalk it up to one of those like continuity problems. Like in that one episode of The Last of Us when it was like just outside of, you know, whatever city and it was the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Look, we don't understand what biomes are like. Just let us have our shot, you know? Yeah, right. So leave Brittany alone. <laughs> anyway, so they find this goo on the ground, right? Which is the stuff. Um, and then... Uh, the titular stuff. And then, like, you know what I thought was really cool about this? Is, like, you could have done, like, this whole thing where they do this, like... It's in a lab, and it got gets out and attacks people. But... I, I love that they took the like hyper capitalism message and like ran with it. They're like, ah, fuck it. We don't know what's in it. You can eat it. Tastes good. <laughs> and, and it gets like, m- like produced and sent to the masses. Right. I, I loved it. Cause it went from like two hicks find the shit in the ground. And then the next scene, it's like there, uh, there's like these multimillionaires on a yacht trying to do corporate espionage, which was enter in our boy, uh, Mo, um, Mr. Moriarty. Yeah, although not to back up already when we're only like moments into yeah. the movie, but like what? It, look, if I find a white goo leaking out of the ground at some quarry outside of a small town in Georgia, I'm not eating it. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not just gonna put that in my mouth and be like, "What is this?" That man just like ate it immediately. I thought about that a lot, and I'm like, okay, like, and and like this, like Cohen's like very specific on stuff. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't like I don't. He's not a guy that like screws stuff up, right? I I. No, yeah. I think saying. in my mind, the way I rationalized this was that that stuff compels you to eat it once you touch it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That that's like that that's kind of how I I rationalized it cuz I I thought about the same thing. I'm like, why in the like why in the fuck would that guy eat that, right? I mean, I guess they're trying to make him like, oh, "I'm a redneck," but like legitimately <laughs> like he picks it up within seconds it's in his mouth. He's like, "This is pretty good." like you know what i mean and honestly that's almost exactly word for word i think he says yeah right hey it's sweet yeah right it's like yeah right yeah but but like yeah i I agree with you because there are times like uh where it seems like the the stuff is compelling people to do certain things yeah even before they've eaten it because obviously after they've eaten it you know the stuff's you know it's got it now but yeah once it like there's times like that where he seems like he's compelled to eat it so yeah you have a point but I still feel like, man, like, what's my, like, uh, I don't know, fortitude save on that? That I can't resist yeah. the, like, psychic powers of this goo that I'm going to just, like, try to consume it? Like, man, I hope I have a stronger, like, mental constitution than that. Yeah, that bro rolled a four, so. <laughs> yeah, he didn't pass the DC. Yeah, and then he lived a pretty baller life for what it seems to be, what, like a month? <laughs> until until we all, well, we'll get into what happens to you once you cheese the stuff. But. Yeah, so. Flash forward to the boat. Probably my favorite scene of the movie, maybe. There's a couple other ones that I love, but the sweaty palm gag, I Oops, I don't know palm. why. That's a sweaty palm. I, sweaty I thought palm. it was so funny, and I don't know why I thought it was funny. He just like comes in guns blazing, and the guy's like, oh, I heard you got kicked out of the FBI, and he's like, hey, fuck you. Sweaty yeah. palm, sweaty palm, sweaty Yeah, Mo palm. Rutherford just marching in there like yeah. – like i don't know what like a kind of a southern accent ish like he's just strutting in there it's like man michael moriarty is just eating this roll up he's just coming in hot 
with all these like what ice cream CEOs on their like doing their little ice cream cabal to find out what this stuff is. Yeah, it's like, oh, Hagen Dazs, sweaty palms, sweaty palms. So <laughs> every person. So you know another thing too uh, that I just thought about is. Uh, like him, him coming in like that, like to this whole situation. Like I think they were trying to like portray him as a, like a no nonsense. Like he just like doesn't need them; they need him kind of attitude. And I it, like, I guess that's like a salesman tactic, right? So I, I, I think it's like really true to the character of who that guy was. Like I think he actually probably would have done that, and then fucking decks that guy when he leaves. Yeah, like, straight up got his cashier's yeah. check. He's gonna turn around and clock the dude in the face. Yeah, totally sets the tempo, right? I, I love it. Yeah, it shows us that, that you know, Mo is a man of action and great confidence, which he's going to need if he's going to take on this stuff. Yeah, so then after the boat scene, then it goes to the the how the family, right? That's like the next the jump cut. Yeah, we uh we had a, a scene before that that was just the kid getting up from a midnight snack. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I I don't know what father like, you know, comes in like coming hot like that like the kid's getting a sack out of the refrigerator he's like like you should you could scare me and then like i actually wrote down like literally i was like thinking like if we're ever gonna do a riff tracks this is gonna be my joke it's like it's like i was drinking until 9 30 to come home to have you walking around and waking me up like that's how i felt like the dad was you know what i mean like you know what i'm talking about that's before he's even like Got like I spent all week really, to get mad like, to hit your mom. He's just so mean to his kid. Like, how dare you get peckish in the middle of the night, you bastard? Like, just yelling at him. Well, I keep skipping stuff, so why don't you take over some plot points here? We don't. I we don't have to go scene by scene, but I'll. I'll why don't you? Why don't you take the reins? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, like now that you know we've introduced Mo, you know we get a couple scenes of Mo showing off like how much uh, of our network he has. Like he has a scientist working on trying to figure out what the stuff is. So he's got resources that we, you know, didn't know when he first strutted up onto that yacht shaking hands with sweaty palm guys. And he immediately is able to get into the presence of the PR woman who had marketed this stuff. And this is like our one of our early glimpses of like the stuff theme song. Yes. Like this, like this, like, like marketing campaign that aggressively marketed the stuff and is implied to be the reason that it's like a world, like a nationwide phenomenon at this point. Oh, by the way, she falls in love with him instantly. Dude, like, she's, like, ready to go to his hotel by the end of the conversation. Yeah, instantly. Like, I mean, granted, he did hit her with that uh, Mo petroleum money again. Oh, yeah, or that, yeah. Like, he did say he was the owner of a petroleum company, and he was going to buy up her, like, uh, PR Marketing firm, firm right? Yeah, 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 marketing firm. But, yeah, like, like, she just instantly is like, he's like, I could take you out to lunch. She's like, how about, you know, does your hotel have room service? Like, man. This dude's Riz is off the charts. Um, yeah, so he... But then he d- doesn't go... Like, I don't, I don't know. It just cuts to, like, him going on... Or it cuts to Jason then uh, going to a grocery store and going, like, absolutely ape shit on every, like, display of the stuff in, that, in like, the supermarket. Jason being the, uh, the kid. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. I forgot to say that the kid's name is Jason. Hey, how obsessed were they with his eyes? dude when when filming it was it was a little weird it was a little cringe yeah like that kid had like the the biggest eyes green like like super green yeah and he was like frequently looking at things like granted he is reacting to like some pretty uh crazy situations so i guess like you would have like a wide-eyed look when you're doing that but like i absolutely loved the scene of him going crazy in the supermarket yeah because how many goddamn displays of the stuff do you have like, my dude, you still have eggs, don't you? 
Like, literally, it's like everything in the store has been replaced by this stuff. Like, they have, like, pyramids on, like, the end caps. They have a bunch of them in the coolers. It's not clear if the stuff needs to be kept cool or not. It doesn't matter. It's everywhere. And this kid's just, like, throwing the stuff on the ground, like, like smashing the, like, jars of the stuff, just going crazy. See, I, I love, so when I first saw that scene, I'm like, okay, that's kind of, kind of silly, right? But after seeing the whole movie and thinking back on it, I thought that was probably one of the smartest things they've done with the stuff in like being shown because like the commercials were really cool and and I really liked how they um like how they they showed like how they branded they didn't even know what they were gonna call it like they go through that stuff but after watching the whole movie and like thinking back to how all these people react to that like the stuff right I think it, it's interesting that like it shows like how it's slowly taking over people because like they don't even know how to put it like do we put it in the do we put it in the freezer? Do we do we do we just stack it out here? Do we some people like it cold, some people like it warm. And then like uh y- you learn like through this that it starts replacing food, like people just start getting rid of their food and putting the stuff in place of that. So that comment you made about the eggs is like so on point because I feel like that is such great foreshadowing in the writing of this because he's like saying like, hey, look, like, cause it's jarring to look into a supermarket and there's the stuff everywhere, right? It's kind of weird. Like, it's like, oh, well, how would that replace milk? It's like, um, you know, and then you learn that it just kind of, well, you learn what it does and we'll get there. But like, I, I just thought that was just brilliant how they did that scene. I, I, I love it. I, I don't know if you caught that or thought about it that way, but I, I absolutely, um, I actually went back and watched the first like 15 to 20 minutes after I finished the movie. Cause I'm like, there was some stuff I think that they did stuff. That, and there, and there were a couple references that happened later in the show or in the movie, which was, yeah. It was I love things, that like stuff. Larry Cohen did like, clearly he did his work, like foreshadowing certain things and like keeping some like plot points alive, like throughout, like he, he builds it up pretty well, which is why it's like so easy to kind of like, uh, do a plot synopsis of this because you're just you're going from one event to another. Like one thing leads to another really well. Yeah, and and it doesn't. It's not like the old. Some of those old eighties uh, and even seventies. I'd say more seventies where it's just weird jump cuts and, and they like kind of like assume you're just gonna get there in your head to where you need to be. Um, I think he did a good job at kind of like setting up everything without spoon feeding it to you, right? Spoon feeding um, to so, me like a big like spoonful of the stuff. <laughs> All right, yeah, but uh, yeah, after the kids' uh, incident at a supermarket, you know, we get back to our man Mo, who uh, got in touch with like the only person left from the FDA panel that actually did the research, like did the approval for this, like in one of the most sus moves everywhere. All the rest of them like retired immediately after approval of the stuff. So this this one dude is there, and I gotta tell you, I thought that the dude was like the stuffed, or so the stuff was doing something to him because of how his dog was being like really suspicious Mm -hmm. but like after mo gets the information from this fda guy to like figure out where they tested and all that stuff the the dude like that scene where the dog is like attacking the dude while he tries to make a phone call and it turns out that and then the dog that we have like a very brief scene of the dog's like jaw unhinging and like the stuff coming out of him it's like oh man the dog was stuffed this whole time So, so like i don't think that guy was eating the stuff so it's just like the dog. He, the dog was eating all the stuff, and it was like in charge. Yeah, but like the coolest part of that scene is when he's like trying to make the phone call, and the dog goes over and rips the rips the, the jack f- out of the wall. Yeah, rips the phone jack out of the wall. Like this dog knows what phones are, and he's not gonna allow you to call for help. But like, would yeah, it be like, faster just to maul the dude to death? Because it was a pretty vicious dog, right? It was like a big Rottweiler or something. 
so like i thought i thought too like watching this like this was very um topical because like you brought up the last of us earlier but like to me like in my because again i'm trying to rationalize this stuff the whole time i'm like i think the stuff wants to spread and that's how it's making more stuff like it's like it can replicate in people or something because it's replicating it's from from the earth right so i guess we should talk about it. so like uh, we can get presumably, to the plot, but yeah. yeah, presumably it's from from Earth, right? So yeah, it's not like it came a... up from the quarry, and later on, right. like, we don't have to like. It's not like it's a spoiler, yeah. Like later yeah, on, yeah. we'll see that like there's like a huge like quarry, and then there's like a giant pool of just the stuff everywhere. So yeah, it's implied that it's like if it's if it's not of Earth, it's from the Earth now, like it's in the Earth now. So yeah, it's not like it's like explicitly alien in any way. Yeah, and so like I, I think I, I definitely think about these things too much. So I'm thinking like, okay, it's in the earth. Uh, what would be its main food source? Would be carbon, right? Because that's that's like the most abundant material in the earth, right? Well, we're also carbon based. So I was wondering like, could it get inside the people and then multiply and replicate by eating it from the inside, and then it creates more stuff. So that that's kind of how I thought about it because I'm like, okay, like why other than just like because there's no it doesn't have any like ulterior motive it's not like trying to land a ship to to harvest humanity or anything it's not an alien like you know to me it was like kind of like the last of us just a fungus and it's just trying to replicate you know that's its biology that's what it wants to do so that's kind of how i thought about it you know again i i I think too much about these things but um i think that the movie kind of begs the question you can't tell i really like this movie just letting you know (laughs) no because like well it's like that the dog the, the stuffed dog uh you know pulling the phone out of the wall presumably this dude is about to reveal some secret or something probably to mo and the dog like put a stop to it so like the stuff has like it knows what it's doing it's like it's sentient, not mindless. Right? yeah like it has an agenda and he and that kind of bit plays out more later like it definitely is like alive and you know, i don't know how much of a stuff is a stuff like is it all one hive mind is it making more stuffs it's like i thought about that too yeah it almost doesn't really matter like it behaves (laughs) like it's like a colony of some kind so that's fine if it's if it's like what grave mind from halo it's like all of them are connected or something yeah it could be like your favorite movie world war z (sighs) how did you do that on our first episode (laughs) shots fired yeah not even let me rest our episode over (laughs) yeah that's it we're done. done that was it that was the run i quit yeah, so, uh, all right, so I keep derailing us, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, Mo then like, moves on to the initial town where the FDA tested this stuff. The stuff, sorry, not this stuff, the stuff. We gotta be really precise about this. Almost no one lives in the town anymore. Almost all the residents had moved uh, to Midland, Georgia, which is mentioned many times. So it's here that he meets uh, our next uh, awesome character, your favorite, uh, Chocolate Chip Charlie who yeah. uh, is the, he's like a famous Amos, like, stand-in or something. Like, he was, like, once the owner of, like, a, a cookie company, and then he got pushed out by his board, and then they sold to the stuff. His so family. Like, his family. His own family sold him out. And, yeah, sold the sold um, to the stuff, so he lost his company to the stuff. So he's got a got an axe to grind right alongside our man Mo. And then that's when stuff really gets wild because now they like go in to like talk to like the owner of a general store and the man runs away from them and then falls down or lays down and the stuff emerges from his mouth and goes out the window 
and it's like the first touch of like the effects of what happens when the stuff leaves you and it's you're basically your mouth is like a gape too wide and the stuff just like oozes out like a white white goo and then the the stuff just books it out the window like just squirms away and then that's when what like the remaining town members presumably that stuff went to warn the other stuff in the other people and then yeah. the rest of the townspeople like chase after mo and charlie while they try to escape town and it's our first glimpse of what happens like after the stuff is like fully uh gotten into you or whatever because like mo punches a dude in the face and the entire thing like collapses yeah his jaw like rips open like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like his whole head is just punched off like his face like shatters like it's crazy so presumably then the stuff like hollows you out like a husk and then just controls you from there but also like can leave and then go do other stuff and then can come back because then it comes right. back to that dude and just gets back into him and gets him back going so yeah pretty then, gross so, like another cool scene there so they have to get on that boat to get away yeah yeah and they couldn't get the boat pushed off so that the one of the actors chasing them like pushed them out to <laughs> to water i loved it i'm like yes there's a waste There's, not scene. Everyone's involved. Yeah, the, the, so the stuntman like pretends to like fall onto the boat and like and he pushes them out into the water so they can get away. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they were really struggling to get that boat going, and I guess they didn't have enough time for a second take. Yeah, they probably wasted all their uh, hollow heads in that first take. They couldn't be doing another one. They blew their whole budget on the jaw ripping scene. I gotta tell you, some of the, those effects, like practical effects, like I don't mind that, like. Yeah, I, I don't believe it's a person's face, but it looks good when <laughs> they punch like someone's jaw in half and stuff. Yeah, and it's not like it's campy, but it's like campy enough, right? It's not it's not like overly weird because like some of these movies get a little too gory, and I and I think it's just for shock factor because because that is the genre, right? For some of these, yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, but this one, I for 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 what it you know not no pun intended, tastefully did a lot of this stuff. <laughs> Um, but I, I loved the special effects. I, and I actually wanted to bring it up. Like, I don't know what the stuff is, but they did a hell of a good job with it. I don't think it was CGI. Like, I think it, I think they had something. They, Whether yeah, it was like they, a dude in a, in a green, sh- like, like sheet was, running around. And then they, I don't know what they did, but it was awesome. It was actually a, uh, like a viscous, like material that they created. And I was actually reading some of like the, you know, how like on, on Wikipedia or not Wikipedia on IMDb, they have uh, trivia. Yeah. Uh, one of the things talked about how like they used like a bunch of different materials and to keep, give it the color and consistency they needed. They actually used uh, like mashed up, mealed up uh, fish bone. Nice. And apparently any like anyone in the cast who had to interact with the stuff like on a practical level would basically run to get a shower immediately afterwards because it smelled like terrible. It's not as it's not it doesn't smell good like the movie like the movie implies that the stuff smells in real life. So that's how you know everyone's a really good actor because they're acting like they like it. That is gross. Yep. <laughs> not gonna sleep well. Okay. All right. So we hooked up with chocolate chip. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Charlie and uh, Charlie and Mo. Uh, decided to make a game plan. So um, Charlie is going to go to the FBI. Uh, the agent that Mo references is named Frank Herbert. Maybe you've heard of him. He wrote Dune. But um, it's just a <laughs> reference to Dune. It's not like the FBI agent actually wrote Dune. No, it actually was Frank Herbert. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but that'd be cool. Be cooler. Then, be cooler if it was. <laughs> And then, uh, and then that's when like Mo's like, okay, well, my next thing is uh, I'm gonna go 
you know, investigate the distributor of the stuff. Um, and th- this is kind of a cool scene because they're like making their game plan kind of in the open in a diner. And if you remember, uh, the the waitress, like they ask if they serve the stuff and she's like, no, we like we don't have it. It's on back order or whatever. And then cut to her going to the back of the restaurant, opening mm-hmm. the freezer, nothing but the stuff. So it's like the stuff like knows like that they have enemies out there and like knows to lie about whether it exists or not. So I've got a moment I want to talk about, but I'm going to, I'm going to save it till we get later on. But... Get closer to it. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. So there's a, uh, then uh, Mo goes to talk to the distributor and this was the part that kind of confused me. So the distributor definitely bribed Mo and Mo. Hey, he took his money. Yeah. Mo like literally said like, I'm probably not going to stop. But I'll take your money. And the guy just let him have it. It was like thousands of dollars. It's like, was that what happened? Like, did I miss something? Because I've no, seen this he, movie multiple yeah. times and I've been like, like, this is the first time I'm noticing he just like straight up takes this dude's money and basically says, yeah, I'm not. I'm still going to double cross you, though. Yeah, flat out tells him like the whole time. And then <laughs> he does the, he does the Mo joke again. I mean, yeah, and, you can't get enough of that Mo joke. Yeah. Because he does want Mo. I, I feel like I can't remember when. He gets back together with the marketing lady. Next scene. Okay, okay. Yeah, literally like like smash cuts. Smash cut to him talking to her and her already being on board with his anti the stuff mission. Like I feel like something might have, must have transpired to like because she's like now on board. Like I help market this. Like I bear responsibility for this. I'm going to help you put a stop to this. And at no point are we told like why. Okay, she's good. I just wanted to make sure. No, she's just on board. Like, I mean, maybe like they, in between like the scenes, like we have the whole like relationship of theirs progressing, and then once he like showed her the information, she's just like, I'm not, I'm in, I'm on board. So, but yeah, she wastes zero time getting on board. This I think her name, what's her name is Nicole, played yeah. by uh, Andrea Markovici. Uh, she's an actress and singer, but not in a lot of things that i'm aware of she's been in like a lot of tv shows like taxi incredible hulk uh hill street blues but like this is the only thing i really know her from and really it's all you need at the end of the day yeah i just was a little confused i'm like okay so like they added the marketing lady in obviously love interest and then like nothing for like what 30 minutes and then she magically she's like let's take down the stuff (laughs) yeah not only is she back but she is on board with the anti-stuff crusade here so yeah like that was amazing. <laughs> like almost smash cut from Mo taking this dude's bribe, <laughs> telling him he's not going to do what he wants. And then just cut to the marketing lady now, like, which is kind of a cool idea though. They like, cause like, I think that in the modern world, like there's a lot to do with like marketing and advertisements and like directing like advertisements, like especially now in the era of the internet, like how you have no privacy and like how important marketing is. And it's kind of cool that even then, like this movie's acknowledging like, how important it was for the stuff to be marketed well like it's basically she truly was a part of its rise to prominence like why it's now in like every diner every supermarket and everything like that yeah and i think like too like with market like you bring up the marketing stuff and i i think that in these situations like so like you talk about like the bearing like the weight of this and that was like a huge theme for her character right To, to like almost to like a fault right yeah like towards towards the end it was like it was kind of weird it was weird she's like i'm gonna die on this sword it's like all right lady you weren't that hick that was eating the shit out of the ground like calm down <laughs> like you know what i mean you yeah. made a couple commercials in a logo she really like, yeah she well, hey man though that uh 
that jingle is a banger. That jingle, though. it is a banger. Yeah, that, right. like that, that song kills it, man. So like, yeah, she she you know she it's cool that she's taking responsibility. But you're right, she's like a little dramatic about it. It's like, look, lady, there's a lot of other stuff going on here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, at some point, like I kind of get a little bit confused by some of the scenes here. But I think that after this, she he takes her to his uh, like science team that's like doing the stuff research. And this is when they discovered that, like, the newspaper story about Jason, like, going on his rampage in the in the supermarket. And Mo just decides, like, I'm going to get this kid and save him. Because, obviously, like, this kid's the only one that knows what the stuff's up to and he might be in danger. And it's such a funny thing because, like, why would you? Like, one kid goes crazy in a supermarket in one town somewhere. And you're like, I got to save this kid. But in typical Mo fashion, he's absolutely right. Because Jason, you know, now at home, his parents and his brother have basically gone full of the stuff. Like they're throwing away all the other food, like literally in a garbage bag full of everything else in their fridge. Their fridge is stocked to the brim with only the stuff. And they're just eating it nonstop. They like say, I guess his dad says something like, eat the stuff and you can become part of the family again. Like, the stuff is selling itself hard to this kid. And I just thought that scene was really cool because, like, the this kid's, like, about to be assimilated into the stuff. And he, like, takes a jar upstairs, put, fills it with, what, shaving cream? Yeah, yeah, shaving cream. <laughs> and then, like, pretends to eat it. And by the way, that like that scene where he's, like, trying to flush the stuff down the toilet and it's trying to emerge. It's like, oh, man. Like, what's going to happen to the stuff now? <laughs> it got flushed down the toilet. So you bring up the brother, like he's probably one of the most famous people, like in the movie. Oh, Brian Bloom, certainly. yeah, and he's and, actually uh, the, the so Jason played by Scott Bloom, his yeah. real life brother, which is yeah. cool. Why they look so alike, and I was I never knew that until this watch through that they were related. It was and like I because I first I thought I'm like man the casting director deserves a medal for this, <laughs> but then you look it up, you're like okay I, I get it, but yeah Brian Bloom like man I mean we don't have like, we could. He's got a lot. So I check mean, you can name his credits all day. I think that yeah. like, like recent video game roles probably would be good standouts. Like BJ Blazkowicz in the yep. new Wolfenstein series, Captain yep. America in like all the new Marvel games, like since like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite through like Midnight Suns. You know, uh, Varric in Dragon Age. Like the man was in like prolific. a dragon. He's the he's Joe. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. The 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 English uh, dub. Yeah. He's all over the place. I, was, I I didn't even know any like I've like played these games. I had no idea that, that was him until like I looked at it. So probably shows that I should pay a little more attention to the voice actors in my video games and not be so disrespectful to their hard work. But how, how dare you? <laughs> it was so cool to see. All right, he's back to the shaving cream. Oh yeah. So he uh, he 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 tried to escape and his brother caught him. Puts he goes in, takes the stuff, does the toilet thing, shaving cream goes down and like eats the shaving cream from his family like oh i like the stuff now or whatever and you know gets like his family's happy and then he like is gonna go make his like escape again and he makes the rookie move of sitting down the tub of the stuff next to his uh stuffed dad who instantly tries it and realizes that it's shaving cream so his family chases him outside only to have uh mo pull up and just pick him up like, and he just gets in the car without question because, like, his family's trying to, you know, either murder him or make him eat a 
living white goo so either way not great but i just thought it was funny that mo literally rolls up at the right moment as is his way he's the suavest dude he's obviously going to show up to rescue this kid at the exact right moment and they just drive off when the kid the kid throws up like in he his waited there. He, he was probably there for like yeah right he was probably there for like a day <laughs> like waving he just like waited until he saw the kid running and he pulled yeah. up like get in kid but that's that actually kind of a funny scene when the, kid, the kid's like uh, i threw up in your back seat and he's like i know yeah. So, yeah, so no shit, kid. He knows you're in an enclosed space and you threw up in the back seat. He knows. But that's such a kid thing, though. Like, they, <laughs> I think they did a good job at writing that character. Um, well, until the end. But, uh, anyways, yeah. All right. So, they pick up pick up Jason and they're heading back to kind of get the game plan together, right? Oh, no, we know. This is where they, they go into the, uh, they're going to the airstrip. They're flying to yes, Midland. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, they're flying to Midland, Georgia where um, I guess Mo is going to pose as Nicole's secretary, which, by the way, so he's not to make... I, I know we've been doing a lot of tangents, and that's just going to happen, but why on earth does every time Mo go to a place, he uses the same name? Like, my man, like, I feel... I don't know, like, even basic rules of being discreet would say, like, at least come up with a different name every time. He always uses the same name and makes the same joke. Like, People are going to figure it out. Yeah, he's probably, he's like, ah, these people probably aren't going to make it, so I'm going to. He just got such a high charisma that he just, like, can roll, like, a two right. and still get, like, past anyone's like DC. Stat check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just, he just, yeah, he was winning. Plus again. 18. He put, yeah, all of his, <laughs> all of his stats into charisma, this man. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they fly on the plane to Midland. The, so, yeah, when uh, Mo and Nicole go to the factory, they leave Jason behind in the plane. With a stranger. With the, well, it's a pilot, you know, if you can't trust So the, the kid pilot. they just kidnapped, basically. Well, here's the thing. It's, yeah, it's not their We're kid. We're saved. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah like, like with this guy, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, he'll probably be okay. Yeah. So they just leave the kid sleeping in the plane, go His parents do their are dead. business. Well, I mean, uh, good is dead, essentially. Yeah, like, they're yeah. stuffed up. They're full stuffed. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, they go to the factory. But then the stuff, like, assassinates the pilot and is coming for the kid. I love that scene <laughs> with the dude out the window. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, so yeah, the pilot's dead. Kind of stuff's coming for the kid. He runs into the woods and in an act of happenstance that can only happen in the movies, he stumbles into the quarry where the stuff is. And you know, this kid's like stealth is incredible. Cause he's just like walking through the quarry. There's people above him on catwalks. There's people around him everywhere. And no one notices this kid. But then he rolls, like, the worst possible roll on, like, a, you know, I don't know, some kind of check to conceal himself and goes into one of the trucks that's about to be filled with the stuff. So, so like, when I when one. I was watching that, I'm like, okay, why would you do that? And I think within a minute he was just like, why did I do this? Yeah. Like, yeah, there we go. All right, yeah, cool. It's like, okay, cool. I'm glad we're on the same yeah. page, Jason. Like, yeah, yeah right. you should not have crawled into the tanker of this truck. Yeah. Like, terrible place to hide. Um <laughs> trying to think like then you know we get they do like one of those one of the best um ad breaks at this point so like after their little uh tour of the factory or whatever and they get like the public facing tour of the factory they don't actually see the quarry from where they are like uh i'm talking about mo and nicole yeah Mm -hmm. so they go back to the hotel room and this is one of my favorite of the ads for the stuff because this is like uh where's the stuff like the where's the beef lady yeah yeah it was literally it was i like looked it up afterwards it's like is that the actual where's the beef lady and it was no way yeah i didn't even 
I, I thought they just found someone and were like, oh, they did a great job. But no, no, it's like, yeah, Clara Peller. Like, stuff? the literal, like, where's the beef lady? They had her do the where's the stuff bit. Like, classic. So Way to good. go. And then uh, her dinner companion is, of course, Abe Vigoda. Can't get enough Abe Vigoda. Put him everywhere. Well, I mean, not now. He's dead. But <laughs> please, please let him rest. <laughs> but before that, yeah, put him in everything. So, yeah, that was, like, one of my favorite commercials was that, like, the where's the beef one with the stuff. Um, that whole scene though in the hotel room was pretty wild yeah when the when what was the stuff like emerges from the pillow to to murder them like probably the only instance where i didn't really like the effects because like when it clings to people's faces it tends to look a little fake but then it like follows up with so uh they catch the stuff on fire to get it to release the face and then i guess there was another hitman just in case the stuff failed at its mission there's like a hitman standing by. He runs in to like finish the job and accidentally triggers the bigger stuff trap because apparently the entire mattress was the stuff. And then the stuff just flies out of there like a like a tidal wave of the stuff just throws this dude up against the wall. Like it was crazy. Like it was like and then he dies obviously. He got eaten by the stuff. So they steal his truck because they forgot their keys in the hotel room. There's no way they're going back in there. Because the stuff's in there. So, like, the the horrible thing that I'm thinking about right now that I can't get out of my head is you brought up you brought up the fact that this was made of fish parts. <laughs> and they literally threw it on that guy's face. Yep. And that other actor. So, I'm just, like, in the horror that they must have been going through to, like, deal with that. Like, it actually turned my stomach a little bit thinking about it. Like, yeah. And that one that effect like of the like how it like shoots him into like it shoots him up into the corner of the wall yeah they did that by having a building or like a like a set that they could turn so what it did was it was able to turn and then he was on like to him he was sitting on the corner but it was like shooting the stuff down on him so they're basically just dumping it on him Uh is basically what happened (laughs) just dumping the white goo that smells like fish bone like ground up fish bones on him great (laughs) Yeah, I mean that man earned his paycheck that day. We're getting to the crazy where this movie starts getting like like it took a really weird turn for me. And I was like out of nowhere, they go to that Georgia base. Oh, oh no, no, yeah, because they go back to the well. This is where they accidentally stumble onto Jason in the tanker, and right. so they drive the they they drive the uh, truck to the quarry because Moe's gonna steal a one of the tankers. He's gonna steal a like a tank load of the stuff somehow has an outfit that matches the outfits of the other people in the quarry. Uh, the man was prepared and with the confidence that you can only get by having a name Mo, he just wanders down there. Here's the kid in the tanker, um, which they had started to fill it up with stuff. So he hears the kid and steals that truck and just drives it out of there. Uh, after setting off two bombs, <laughs> to like yeah hit all that c4 like, how, like, like I, yeah it was like i never knew this man had bombs on him until that moment he just like he has an outfit that matches them a couple of bombs to collapse the quarry onto itself so they don't chase him and then he's just on the run in this tanker truck runs over uh somebody some of the stuff people and they just explode with white goo some sick effects on that especially the one that was uh waiting in the truck for nicole to come back Oh, yeah. He like jumps out, and then she like luckily, uh, with the timing that only Michael Moriarty has, he rolls up in the truck, picks her up, and runs the guy over. So 
good timing all around. You know, I guess they did They did say he was in the FBI and made a big deal about that, so maybe that's how he has all that munitions training. I know we're, like, past that, but, like, <laughs> just trying to... Yeah, yeah, we didn't really talk about how, like, yeah, that was part of his conflict with that dude early on, was that other dude was also former FBI, but, like, yeah, apparently uh, Mo had left the FBI in disgrace for some reason, so... That they never get into, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, like, literally, it's just, he left in disgrace, don't worry about anything else. Um, and then now, yes, like other than a small incident where a cop pulls him over and they trick him into eating the stuff by pretending to eat the stuff that's leaking out of the back of the truck. Because that's one of, the, one of the fatal flaws of the stuff's plan is when they take over people to work for them, those people really like the stuff and can be easily tricked into eating it. So he goes down to eat the stuff and then Mo like hits him in the back of the head and knocks him out and then they drive away. And that's when they get to a castle in a field. So how did you feel about this part of the movie? Because I feel like, I mean, I get it, but it, it got like really weird to me, like quickly. I was like, oh, okay. It, and like, this was probably the only message that they were trying to say that I felt was like, okay, this is a little too on the nose for me. <laughs> um, not not saying that, that, whatever, I get the message, like, but like the overtly racist, like ex-general or whatever guy or ex-colonel um that's like a that's like a womanizer i was just like okay they hit like a lot of boxes with this one guy yeah he he was really on the nose like he was like a a caricature that kind of you know you get it think about like the the militia type guy and you get it like former military militia type guy who's he also has uh i own three radios he's also been disgraced in some fashion well by by mo oh yeah that was what it was right mo like yeah mo had while working for uh, the FBI had yeah disgraced him, ruined his reputation. And for some reason, though, that is enough for him to decide to hear Mo out. Because <laughs> he point, hates commies. Yeah, at which point Mo's like, you were worried about them fluoridating the water. Let me tell you, they're going to sell us the stuff that's going to take us over. And uh, like a lot of people, Paul Sorino's character, Spears, on board immediately. Full weight of his like military force, his paramilitary force, are now ready to invade the factory with Mo, like guns a blazing. They're ready. So I, like I said, like every single attempt that Mo makes to convince anyone of something, he must succeed. Like Nat twenty, that shit. Because he's so gonna I, convince I have a theory everybody. on this, but we'll get into it later. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, they then they yeah they they. Although I I super love just like to talk a little bit about Paul Sorvino's performance as this guy. Like, yeah, it's, like, a caricature in some ways. Like, yeah, he's got, like, those, like, you know, militia guy, like, stuff going on. But, like, Paul Sorvino says he's having a great time playing this role. Like, when he's, like, hitting on Nicole and then Moe's, like, you know, hey, I think you're trying to, uh, you know, move in on my lady. And then Paul Sorvino's, like, you'll probably be a casualty. (laughs) Yeah, right. It was, like, yeah, it was perfect. He did a great job. I just thought it was – it was just weird. It was out of nowhere. But I, I loved it. It was it is. I yeah. loved his performance. Let's say let's. Yeah, I think that like just the the satirical and tongue in cheek nature of this is we're not supposed to consider that character to be like a good guy, but right. like when you're moving in the world that Mo moves in, like you got to take the help from who you can get it from. And in this right. case, like these crazy militia guys are ready to believe that the stuff exists. The only difference is this conspiracy theory is real. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that was like crazy whenever like they go, they attack the the factory. Super uh, weird scene where like all of the factory workers 
like go to one place and just like the stuff just leaves them so they're all this like empty yeah that was on the that ground. was that was pretty wild yeah the stuff just abandoned them and just like retreated as like one mass that was crazy and that was and that was one of the things i didn't get into like when we're they're showing the quarry and stuff like that they had all that like propaganda over the radio like it mm-hmm. was going like pro the stuff propaganda it was like really weird because it was like bordering on like a cult so it's like maybe the stuff isn't fully in control of people so it needs like that little extra bit to keep people like going while it assimilates them so that's part of my theory that but... makes sense because of the yeah because of that propaganda and then because of this instance where like these are like true believers working the like quarry and they just all go lay down and just the stuff leaves them and now they're just empty husks i mean do you want to get into my theory or do you want to finish the movie i mean we're close we're almost there yeah i mean we you it's up to you if you want to talk about it real quick so okay so here's my thought on this right so to for how widespread that stuff is and everyone's having like eats it for us to assume that these characters just haven't eaten the stuff is crazy right so like and and even the movie like hints at that that everyone's it's like everyone has either tried it or had it right so i i think at some level the stuff infects everybody that eats it and i think eventually it either can't take control or it does or whatever but so i i was thinking about this like the the whole and i don't want to spoil the ending or anything or any of this stuff so like you know that the stuff has a has a natural fear of like not existing right which is pretty natural most most creatures when faced with death will run right yeah, there's a sense fight of self-preservation there yeah yep so what i thought was interesting is all these people that eat the stuff and turn into like zombies so like why isn't everyone like that because like it's all over the grocery stores it's all over everywhere and they're not joining this weird cult kind of thing and they're not like some of them are and some of them aren't acting weird and and i think from the from the plot standpoint it seemed to me like it amplified like if you were kind of like a sheep kind of person and you're just kind of going through the motions it affected you the most and then for people like mo it really it it really brought out his inner like bravado like it, to me like i felt like it it just takes your personality amplifies it like like the dog right so dogs are aggressive and can be aggressive I'm not saying all dogs are aggressive but i felt like the stuff grabbed that and amplified it the guy in the FDA, uh, he was really into like trying to do the right thing for people by, like, showing like um, that they're testing these drugs and all the, all these food and stuff. And I think that's why he gave the stuff to Mo because he felt like compelled to do that because that's his inner nature. But I I think Mo was infected the entire time and was just like eradicating like pretty much everything. Like people found out and he heard that they found out. So like the stuff sent him to infiltrate that ice cream thing, not the other way around. Oh, that's interesting. Because at the end, he he wipes out. We're spoiling the end here. But he wipes out both the distributor of the stuff and the ice cream guy that was kind of the the head of like the resistance, right? And yeah, so he brings those two guys. Were... We we can get into that, but yeah, yeah. All right. That's my theory: is that all these people are infected by this stuff? It's like to which degree? And like, is anyone actually doing their own will? I don't know. It was kind of weird. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. How, like I definitely do buy some of that because like people are all like eating this, but like not everyone's gorging on it. But I think there is a point where the human like 
self-preservation is overrided by the stuff like where they become just fully Correct. inhabited um yep. but yeah like like obviously small amounts um they even later on like when they talk about how to rebrand it or whatever like they talk about that mm-hmm. um yeah we can fly through the ending here because it's we're almost to the end uh, well, there's they, one very important thing though which, which part talking to charlie oh yeah yeah we'll get there like okay so they they fly to whatever city that paul servino's character owns radio stations at uh and they they go there and this is actually a super funny scene because like all of his military people just get out of the plane and like there's like a fleet of cabs waiting for them and the yeah. one cab driver is like <laughs> what is this world war three and then <laughs> paul Serena's is like i have no more of your liberal remarks <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like okay man but then when they get there he like gets his entire military force there it's like all right Everyone, pay your drivers, 10% tip, cash receipt. It's like like such a weird thing to like organize a military force. It's like, now make sure you tip your cab drivers, guys. <laughs> so yeah, they go into the uh, they they go into the radio station. Nicole's getting the press release ready. Then, you know, Chocolate Chip Charlie Charlie arrives, you know, saying that he had done what Moet had asked him. And then we get to see like ex- this was a very uncomfortable scene where Spears gets real racist. <laughs> It's yeah, like all this other was, like stuff yeah. was kind of silly. Like this was un- uncool. Like how he treated Chocolate Chip Charlie. It's like, come on, man. He's like, he's part of this. But uh, not a lot of time to dwell on that because like instantly Charlie finds a way to like try to corner Nicole. And it turns out he's been infected with the stuff. He makes so, like, like, sorry, go ahead. No, no. So Mo killed him. Like Mo left him in that diner. Like he knew what he was doing, right? He like purposely like, I'm getting away from this guy. Well, he's 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 sending him to do something different though. He was sending him to the FBI because he knew the FBI wouldn't listen to him because he was a disgraced FBI agent. But they would listen to Charlie because he was up until then a respected junk food junk food CEO. Yeah, I well, I don't think he I don't think he made it out of that diner. So well, I don't think so either. Based on that lady like going to the the, like, the thing of the stuff, or he ate some food at that diner and he thought it was regular food and it was actually laced with the stuff or something. Right. But in any case, Charlie like says like some remark to her about like how it feels when the stuff crawls out of you. And she's like, how would you know? It's like, here's how I'd know. (laughs) Then his like mouth (laughs) unhinges and the stuff's like flying out of him. At which point Mo has to go like full hero mode uh, by what they they take a couple of like cut it, split a couple of electrical wires. Paul Servino in a alley-oop hands him to Mo who just like jumps in and electrocutes the stuff until it catches on fire. It's like it doesn't matter if the science bears out on that. He just did it. Like, don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, and, and it was like crazy how fast that that was like, available for them. Yes. Yeah. Like literally, just like oh, thank, thank God we have these uh, two wires that you know don't have any safety like precautions. They're just going to continue to pass current, so you can like stuff it into the stuff and then catch it on fire and save your love interest and the little boy. Because Jason had wandered into there for some reason. He just, like, wanted to talk to them, I guess. But, yeah, then that's when the ending, the, you know, they make the broadcast. People turn on the stuff, start blowing up the stuff stores, blow up the factory, the all of the places. Like, burn it in the streets. Like, it's, like, a revolution of some kind. Stuff illusion. <laughs> but then, then that's the scene where we get to the scene that you were talking about, where Mo like, goes back to that distributor from before who is now in cahoots with one of the ice cream moguls from the the yacht and 
the two of them are gonna like create a new rebranded version of the stuff called the taste which is what like 10 percent the stuff which they think will not be enough that you know that people will be addicted to it but not enough that they'll be like taken over by the stuff and that's actually see i think we had different uh opinions on this scene because i actually thought this scene was was super cool because then like the i mean kid it was rolls, cool the kid rolls in with the stuff and is like you know and you guys are gonna eat this and like like well, we're not gonna eat the stuff and then like uh mo takes out a gun it's like you're gonna eat the stuff you're going to you know <laughs> and then like why would you do this in front of the boy and he's like the boy's family was killed by the stuff because of you. The boy wants this more than I do. Like he's like the the kid's just like the coldest of all now. He's like ready to kill these guys for like taking away his family. And then like they hear the police coming and then they're like, time to go. Like vigilantes. I just like the idea of like Mo and and uh, Jason just going from like tracking down all of the people who made the stuff happen and just forcing them to eat it before the cops get them. Yeah, and the veracity at which they were eating this stuff was kind of like interesting because like they they never ate it because they knew what it was or well they didn't know what it was but they knew like what it, what effect it had. So I yeah, how they cool. went. Well, that was like a kind of a cool little point too because like, they started like reluctantly doing it because you know Mo had a gun on them, mm-hmm. but then by the end they were like digging into it, which is like yeah. you know that's what the stuff does, I guess. But it's just funny that like even these guys knowing what it is, still still couldn't resist the stuff. Because enough is never enough, you know. And speaking of enough is never enough, then uh, we get the last scene, which is, you know, some people like shady looking, you know, 80s versions of shady looking characters roll up in a van, pull a box out, and then it's full of the stuff. And they're like selling it on the block. It's like a drug deal. Like drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like selling like selling it like drugs on the streets. And that is how it ends. Other than one. I don't know if you caught the one post credit scene that there was. It was just another little commercial. It was just enough is never enough. And then that was it. I was like, why was that there? Like we've already been hammered like with this lesson, unless the implication is it's not over the stuff. I, is I think that's what it, so like I, I surprised they didn't make a second one of these. Um, but I, yeah, I thought, I thought, um, I thought that's what that was going to be like foreboding, like the, or, or not foreboding, but like foreshadowing, like, Oh, there's a second one coming. But, um, yeah, I think I think like I think everyone's infected by the stuff that eats it, and it's to like varying degrees. And um, and I think like I don't know if people like immune to it or or something, but it was just interesting how to for for you as an audience to think that not like everyone hasn't eaten this, like it's like the craze, right? So think about like a fad that comes out like a new food or a candy, like everyone tries it, and that's why I thought this was such an interesting movie. Is because it, it really hits home with like food that just comes out and you just try it because other people were trying it, and it's kind of it's kind of weird to think about like it's a little creepy, but yeah. Um, but, but I think yeah. that like anything really like um, some people like, are more susceptible to you know the effects of certain things. It's like yeah, maybe some people resist the stuff a little bit so they're able to try it, but they didn't get addicted to it as quickly. But some people get addicted to it immediately because yeah. the like in like some of the um, whatever the voiceovers of news broadcasts that they were doing um we're talking about how uh thousands of people died like it wasn't like a small yeah thing. right right yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah throughout there's a couple of times where they there's some news broadcasts that you hear and one of them early on uh back when jason was still at home with his family talking about how like entire families have just been disappearing mysteriously and like by this point by the time you know the word gets out on paul servino's radio stations 
uh, by then, like there's now thousands of people who have succumbed to this stuff, which probably is why people were so angry and burning it in the streets like they were. But right. But yeah, that was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't make a sequel to it, but I'm also not because it was not successful financially. Which is which is crazy. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. It's yeah. I mean, well, speaking of good movies. judgment categories judgment categories categories. so uh, i guess since this is our first time doing this we can introduce this concept we are going to take what is it five five categories uh story acting effects writing and then cult factor which is kind of just a stand-in for like just are we having a good time like is this fun is this like you know it's kind of that x factor um yeah and we'll Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, that little something, this the spirit that moves you. And we'll assign a letter grade to each of these categories uh, between the two of us. And yeah, and then that's how uh, that'll be now uh, down in history. Okay, so, so we're, we have to like agree on it. Like that, so there'll be a little back and forth. Is that kind of how we plan? Because I figured we're probably going to be pretty close on most of this stuff. But um, so we're giving one grade for both of us, right? We're not doing each of us gets a grade. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. We have to, yeah, we have to hash this okay. out right here, right, right now. This is what the, okay. this is the content that people crave, sir. <laughs> so, uh, story. That's what plants crave? That's <laughs> what plants. It's Rhonda. Yeah. So, okay. Story part one. I will. I'm I gonna will, B. You're gonna say B. Yeah, I'm gonna say B. What do you think? You know what? I gotta try. I, it's really hard to separate my feelings from like an objective analysis here, because here's the thing. Like this story, like. It, it made some leaps. There's so many things that like they plant and then pay off later. Like so many ways that things connect. For sure. I really thought that the, as far as anything goes, the story, I I, I was going to give it an A, but I'll give it a B. I'll accept it. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll, give, I'll lean the A. So like I don't give a lot of A's. So like my, my rubric is always like A's got to be like perfect. But I'll tell you what. I'll give it to you because some of the th- like I some of the things that you see in the beginning of the movie – don't make sense until after you watch the movie and i love that so i'll go a i'll bump yeah. it up yes yes <laughs> i'm gonna right. eat some of this stuff hold on okay I'll grab some yeah give me some <laughs> I, I, I check my fridge i don't have enough hey enough if they made like enough. a if they made like a marshmallow dessert of this would you eat it um like branded like that i gotta tell you man i don't like mush or mushrooms i don't like mushrooms really but i don't like marshmallows so I probably but like if it, it was like even ice cream or something like some some sort of dessert that would you I mean, try it if they like if they created branded food based off of the film the stuff from 1985 yeah. would i eat it yeah. yes absolutely i don't even care what it tastes like it tastes like dirt Jesus christ i'd have Fuck, to i would that shit wouldn't come anywhere near my mouth <laughs> <laughs> come on man it's, have it's, you seen what happens yeah but well it, are you talking about real stuff? Chocolate chip Charlie, man. I know. Like RIP to a real one. But here's the thing. But how do you know it's not real? Well, okay. You didn't tell me that I'm it saying, was you're like. You're brave. You're a brave dude. You told me if they created like a dessert. You didn't tell me if they found some in a quarry and then served it as a dessert. But how do you know that's not what they're just feeding you? You don't know. 
Yeah, well, I guess you have a point because I probably want to save it as a collector's item. So I just have it in my fridge forever. <laughs> so it just opens up and waves you every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, what's up, man? It's like, hey, chill out and stuff. Hey, that like, pizza you left in here for like two weeks ago, I'm sorry, man. I kind of like really house that. It's like, no worries, stuff. It's like, man, stuff, you're always eating my leftovers and you don't pay rent. <laughs> uh, Worst roommate. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll leave that there. there Acting. <laughs> Acting. Uh, here, here, you know, I don't know. All the performances were really solid throughout. You know, obviously with standouts like Michael Moriarty killing the game as Mo Rutherford. But there were some, like, more tropey moments where it's just like, I don't know. I, where it was just like the, the performance didn't really measure up for some of the other actors. I, I didn't think Nicole's character, like, was the strongest performer in it. What do you, th- what do you think? So I'd probably go see here. Um, and the only reason is because I, I feel like there's such a parody between the people, like as a whole, it was, it was okay. It was, it was average, right? There are, like you said, there are parts that like really stood out to me. And then there are parts that really were like, kind of didn't hit or like, were kind of weird. And again, Nicole probably was the one for me that kind of like if, if her performance was a little better, I'd probably go B, but like. You know, I don't think C's a bad grade for this, especially because for what this is. Like, so we're, we're like, we're trying to set a baseline here too, which is always tough because it's the first one. So, like, how do you grade it against other stuff, especially when we've only covered this one? But and we're you know, watching for, one of the best movies ever made, so it's like really tough. Yeah. To judge. So, yeah, like, I feel like for me, like, you know, I could be argued into a B, but like, I like my my gut reaction would be a C, and um, and it's not not to take away from the the acting that was there. I just feel like, and I don't. I don't know if maybe it gets into a later category. There's the reason why it wasn't good, but or not good, but it wasn't like stellar. But I, for me, Nicole like really brought it down a little bit. Cause like, I just didn't believe anything she was like doing. Well, another thing too, is like acting is not the same as the charisma of the performers. <laughs> like if I was just going yeah, off true. of like, the, You're right. the strength true. Yeah, of no. like, yeah, Michael yeah. Moriarty or the strength of like Paul Servino, yeah. like they're incredible. Like they're like, yeah, they're just in the moment like there's such a presence but it's like is that the performance or just like the strength of their charisma so yeah i would say even though i i am probably gonna be way kinder on everything than you are uh i'll, I'll go see with this because yeah, yeah i it wasn't necessarily acting that all the time that got to me it was more like just their presence so i'll give it to you i'll give you the c okay thank you I'll take my win and go. <laughs> yeah, okay. See you. <laughs> but no, okay, next. Effects. I love them. I I think this is where this really did well. Because, like, you, they could have done that shitty, like, late, uh, mid to late 80s CGI crap, and they didn't. And I, I to me, that's an A. Like, the the fact that they made a goop that could, that worked, right? Because, like, when you watch the goop or the stuff, the like, <laughs> you believe that it's the stuff, right? It's not like a... Like, you know, the old Blob movie, which was awesome, but, like, you know, like, you, you, it was, like, okay, we get it. But, like, this, like, I, I'm, like, okay, like, you know, it was some kind of, like, uh, Newtonian fluid or something, right? It looked cool. Like, it had a it had a cool a cool effect to it. Like, I thought the cool tricks they did, like, with the room that you brought up, like, the pillow stuff was cool. Um, I really liked uh, even, like, the first scene where it's in the refrigerator, it moves real fast. I think they did a really good job. And, like, yeah, you could talk about the prosthetics and – uh, but if you look at it in the like at the time it was made like that was pretty good stuff like you know what i mean like now obviously we've got computer ai that can do stuff that would blow your mind but i think for the time frame like i'd give this an a i i loved it 
Yeah, one thing, one trend you'll notice for me is that I am a sucker for practical effects all day, every day. So that's why, like, for me, like, this era is kind of like the golden age of, like, horror and creature features and all that. Because, yeah, like, maybe it can look a little silly because they had to do certain things to, like, make the space work or to make the make things happen. But, like, at the end of the day, those people are in a room with goo and it is moving on to them and stuff or moving around them or whatever the scene calls for like it's there and it really gives a sense of like uh of being that you like i feel like especially like the uncanny value approach with certain like cgi things nowadays like you can see the laziest stuff in multi-million dollar movies and yet you look Mm -hmm. at something like this and it looks like they're in there with the stuff so i'm with you i'm 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 a all the way love it um all right writing what do you think this is this is more your wheelhouse uh, I think that the like there's two ways that I would go with the writing. The one is you know the general plot and narrative aspect, which I think I already kind of gave it to that in story. Uh, as far as like the like the writing specifically in terms of like dialogue and everything, uh, it's kind of tough because some of the things like that Mo says, like I have zero idea why the things he says are working out for him. Because these lines are crazy. Like, so is that directing or is that writing, though? I would say that that's writing. Because okay. like the way he says it's directing, but what he's saying is wild right. to me. And mm-hmm. and so like some of the lines... But then again, there's some lines where it's like, man, they're really enjoying it. I think Paul Scorbino has a handful of like silly lines until he gets like nefariously racist. Like yeah, up, right. until, up until then, like some of his lines are really funny and cool to say and stuff like that. But like... But then there's things like where like the writing, like the whole marketing campaign of like uh, enough is never enough for the stuff. And then like, I don't know if you heard during the song that was playing, it'd be like uh, one lick is never enough of the stuff. That was like the lyrics oh, yeah. of the song. And I'm like, I don't know how this like ad, this is like uh, somebody who writes things for a living's idea of what a successful ad campaign would be. This is not actually good <laughs> advertising. Like it sticks in your head, but that's about it. So if I were to rate the writing, like because of the strength of like the plotting and the narrative, I kind of handed the story. I I think I'd give the dialogue maybe like a like a B or or C even. I mean, I could see B because like I, I mean, you have to like in my mind, you have to think about what they're writing about, right? And for what the topic was, I think it was pretty cool. But I like I trust you, so if you think it was a C, I'll, I'll go C. No, if you're going to give me a B, I'm taking the B. <laughs> All right, we'll take the B. Take that straight right. to the bank. All right. Put it in a lockbox with some stuff. I think this is pretty easy. To me, this is the easiest grade out of all of them. What, but... cult factor? Yeah. All right. What are you thinking then, my man? I think it's an A. This was. This is such a cool, you know, there are things that are kind of like this, but there's nothing that is like this, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. There's definitely not enough of the stuff out there. And uh, through research for this, the really cool, like, the shirts you can get like the, there's all kinds of cool merchandise like i i think this definitely is um this definitely uh is a a cult a cult movie but... yes agreed 100 percent a on on a uh, cult factor this is just you know it's not long it's what like 88 minutes it's it's not a long movie like it, it moves at a good pace it's fun like it's just this is the sort of like you know, like if you're looking for a definitive like cult classic movie like i'd say a cult factor on this one is is up there there's a reason that i uh, have revisited it basically every year 
since I first watched it in 2012. <laughs> but granted, I'm a maniac. But still, I think that there's a lot here to this movie to, to make it stick. Like, it, it does what it does well. Yeah, so I just took the quick, like, average right across what we did. And, like, we're averaging it, like, a mid to high B. So, like, I think that's a fair that's a fair grade for this, like a B plus. I agree. I, I would probably be a little bit more generous. But I think that as we do more of these movies, you're going to come to understand that there's just a soft spot in my heart. Like, you have to, you have to help me... Uh, see things a little bit a little bit well, more. like so if we would have bumped the acting up it would have, it would have probably hit like an a like a high really high almost a like like we could like hit the scale but like i i just think that one little piece just takes it back just a, and it's just i think it's nicole it like takes it back just a teeny bit um but i i mean look i've seen a lot of i i haven't seen as many as you have but i've seen a lot of uh i don't like these types of movies and this is probably one of the best ones i've ever seen the yeah i think that one of the things about these movies that almost never holds up is the acting like i think that one of the things that you'll always see as a problem is going to be the acting and it's the same thing that i said like don't mistake the charisma of your performers for being yeah, right. performance and i think that that's a lot of these movies like i think we'll, we'll see that as we continue moving through uh different films like this you're going to see that um the strength is in most of the other things about it and then in just accepting it for its own like it's it's operating on its own set of standards so i don't think it's unfair that we rated it the way we did so like but maybe I, like in a, in a year we go back to it maybe we'll re, we could regrade this because it was our first one you know what i mean yeah we could do like an episode where we re reevaluate our earlier ones as we see more and maybe curve it a yeah. little bit but yeah, that's fair. We're allowed to change our minds. This isn't a monolithic thing. We can, yeah. we can, we can. It's like we've ingested the stuff. Jeez. <laughs> oh no! But I think that uh, you're rolling into <laughs> roll uh, into the D roll. <laughs> which is what I, we had mentioned earlier, which is the putting it into a category of either cult classic which is, you know, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, is it a B movie? Which, you know, not it's not a cult classic. It's not, maybe not going to stand the test of time, but it's a solid, solid movie all around. Is it Grindhouse? Uh, Grindhouse being the rather affectionate term for, like, splatter stuff, uh, exploitation stuff. Uh, in this case, I would categorize it more of a guilty pleasure kind of thing. It's a movie that you, you know, you'll, you'll find something that you'll like out of it. And then finally, Trash, which is uh, just not, uh, not a lot of redeeming qualities. And an example of that would probably be uh, <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave, which that, is gross. <laughs> yeah, and like all versions of that yeah and, and, and like why did they remake that movie? i don't like, know it three times like three times it and it gets worse the first time. so like i had a so a, my first job like real job uh i worked a night shift and we didn't really have a lot going on so like one of the guys i worked with he would borrow movies from the internet and we would watch them and another guy that worked with us said hell you guys should watch i spit on your grave so we're at work and I've never seen this movie and I've never seen the original one because I really don't like this type of topic. It doesn't really like, doesn't really like sing to me. Like, it's not like I'm not like looking for the, these types of movies. And if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just save yourself some time and don't look it up. Yeah, but, uh, cool. so I literally, I just met this guy we'd been working together for like three days 
And he's like, yo, you want to watch this movie? Like this other guy said it's pretty good. So we're literally sitting there in horror as this movie unfolds, right? So like, I, I'm not a fan, just this is me personally, right? Just to help you understand where I'm coming from with a lot of stuff. Like I liked Game of Thrones. I, they overdid it with the nudity and the sex scenes like completely. Like we're all adults or like, okay, not we're not all adults, but like, look, innuendos are there for a reason. They work, right? Have them walk into a room and shut the door. We We know what happens, right? We get it. So like to have stuff taken to the next level with something like, I spit on your grave, you know, cause then after that, the movie gets a little different and it's like palatable, but up until then it was almost like, I, I, I was like, I didn't even, I'm like, why am I, why I, I literally am with the stranger. Why am I watching this? So that's kind of how I felt. So sorry. Well, I get the, off my soapbox. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, that's the genre. Like I don't really want to say the name of the genre even cause it's, yeah, close, I don't want to. Yeah, no. yeah. That's the genre. It's like this event happens and then that precipitates this event. And it's like, yeah. There are some latter analyses of that kind of thing that's like, oh, this is like a like there's like a feminist message to be said here. It's like I think there's other things that do better <laughs> messages. But so, like they could yeah, have said it's... it not as without the visceral imagery. No, that's true. Yeah, there's ways to yeah. do it that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, if anyone, uh, this one's for the audience if uh, somebody uh, recommends I spit on your grave, that is a red flag. Run, don't walk somewhere else. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, but back to our, the D roll that we've gone on our anti I spit on your grave. I mean, that is, that yeah. does represent what trash is though, truly. So that's the bottom category. And I'm yep. going to tell you right now, I do not think the stuff is trash. So we don't have to talk about trash anymore. All right. So what's your D roll rating? I'm going to say cult classic. I think this thing's got it going on. Man, I'm going to be, I'm kidding. I'll call classic all the way. Like Hell sure. yeah. We did it's it. such a good, it's such a good movie. Yeah. It, was, it really holds is... up in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, in, in like even like so like I love Idiocracy, um, and like in the like the so like some of the dialogue doesn't hold up in Idiocracy, like it's it's pretty rough if you rewatch it. But same with this, right? Like the the messaging is there, and it's pretty interesting how the mid '80s was so accurate on like kind of like what's happening like around now, right? They they were pretty spot on with some of the consumerism stuff that we're dealing with right now with uh advertising in the internet so i i loved it i i'd watch this every year i think it's a great movie yeah add it to your if you do like a october like halloween time like horror movies thing add it to the list my man oh yeah but yeah that's that's great i'm glad we're in agreement on that because i was worried i was gonna have to battle for it no way i <laughs> like and there there's some movies like when you like you start watching, you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be a slog, right?" Um, this was not one of them. The even from the get go, like even the cheesy, like, "Oh, sweaty palms, sweaty palms, sweaty palms." I, I'm like, this, "I'm like, yes." As soon as Michael Moriarty struts onto that yacht, and you're like, "All yeah. right, let's see where this is going." Yeah. Because like at first, like the the Hicks like eating the goo, I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck, this is gonna be a long day." <laughs> and then it, like it gets better, but yeah, I, I mean that was a good scene too. But um, you get what I mean. Yeah, but that, that's like that's one of those ones that like what you said earlier, like the later things we learn about the stuff and how it seems to like prompt people to do things. Yeah, like so yeah, cool. okay, it makes more sense why this hick would just eat some white goo he pulled out of the ground. Yeah. All right, well that's it. It's official. Uh, the stuff is a cult classic on the D roll. Cult classic. All day. So any else? Anything else to say about the stuff before we wrap up the that portion of everything? No, I think we mentioned that it can be seen on Tubi. For sure so and 
just a little something for the audience is we're going to pick a lot of Tubi movies because that's a 100% free ad-supported service. So no need to subscribe to something. Yeah, and, and the whole point of this, and I guess we probably should have started with this, is watch this before the episode. I don't know if... Uh, I'll put it in the description. I don't think people actually read those. But uh, on the next one, definitely watch the movie before you watch the like or watch before you listen to the podcast because we're going to go into depth on this stuff. Um, I don't know if each movie we'll get like is in the weeds because we definitely love this one. Um, I think that's why we put so much time into this because it was just it's a banger from start to finish. But definitely uh, check them out before you listen to the episode. That way you're kind of on par with what we're talking about that way you're not thinking like oh, i watched this movie 10 years ago and maybe you have a great memory good for you um but i i would just give it a quick refresher and that tubi is a great way to do that because it again it's free yeah and i would hate to uh spoil something like this for somebody because it is a it is an adventure like it's probably gonna be some movies we'll do that'll be kind of and those will be the ones that aren't as rich with incident. And it won't take us as long to get through the plot so for sure yeah and then obviously too like we had to explain some of the stuff we're doing um you know but uh i look i i think uh that's a pretty good segue though into what we're gonna be getting into next week do you want to do you want to give a give the shout out to what we're gonna be watching next week or yeah. our next episode not next week well i guess we'll watch it next week yeah all right yeah ne- the next episode we are going to be covering chud cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller also that's why uh when you look up chud it uh is an acronym so it's C period H period U period D period. It is an acronym. I've got some I've got some good stories about the word Chud. That's like one of my favorite insults ever. So, dude, I gotta tell you, the legacy of Chud extends beyond the film. It is uh, it is entered like the parlance of our society. So now yeah, you, now like, you, now we get to see firsthand why. I can't wait. Let's yeah. get that Chud action going. And uh, yeah, that is on Tubi. Um, I think it might also be on Amazon Prime, but again, Tubi's free, so that's an easy place to watch it. Cool. Well, uh, I think that about does it for our first episode. I really appreciate everyone uh, taking time to kind of hang out with us and uh, indulge us in our uh, adventure, and uh, I guess my, more of my education on on this genre, because I, I do love these movies. I've never seen the stuff, which is criminal. If you haven't seen this movie, I, I don't know what you're doing. This is This is, oh my God, it's so good. But uh, yeah, uh, so I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Stefan. And you have been participating in the Dark Side Drive-In. And we're out. That's it. Bye. Bye.